It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, October 14th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday, it closed the final chapter in the city's ownership of the former Sitka Community Hospital building. While two-thirds of Sitka voters supported the $8.25 million property sale to the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, some Assembly members say they think the hospital is being sold off too cheaply. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. Search bought the Sitka Community Hospital business in 2019, but the city of Sitka kept the land and buildings. As part of the sale agreement, Search committed to a five-year lease of the building where it would continue to provide long-term care to patients. Two years into the lease, Search offered to buy the whole thing for $8.25 million. In the proposal it submitted to the city, the consortium outlined a $38 million plan to expand its long-term care unit and build 28 apartments to bring housing to the community. Sitkins were asked to weigh in on whether to sell the property. But October's vote was advisory, and the final decision came down to elected leaders on Tuesday. While roughly two-thirds of voters supported the sale in the election, two people spoke out against the deal. Karen Addix said it reminded her of the movie It's a Wonderful Life, where one wealthy man is poised to take over a small town. Jimmy Stewart, if he had never been alive, the town would have been named Potterville. Sadly, I think our town is turning into Searchville because not only are they going to do long-term care, they're going to do apartments. Addicts voiced concern that the apartments wouldn't be on the city's tax rolls, and Assemblymember Rebecca Hemshute shared those concerns. She said she'd looked into whether Search will pay sales or property taxes on their housing units and still hadn't gotten a clear answer. She said she was conflicted but would still vote yes to the sale. I'm very concerned about the city's future if and when the day comes that we have the money to build a new police department or some other need that the city has. We do not have a centrally located property at this time apart from that building. So there are many reasons that I am concerned about this sale. On the upside, 28 housing units will not hurt Sitka. and That's a great thing for Sitka. I think search offers a lot to our community. Um, I'm just hoping that they're going to be a partner we like working with. Himshute also voiced concerns about the city and search using the same appraiser to estimate the property's fair market value. Assemblymember Tor Christensen also expressed concerns about the appraisal, but said due to the overwhelming public support in the advisory vote, he'd support it. Although I voted against this uh, as a citizen, and I still I don't think it was enough money, and I also have concerns about the what happened with the assessment, uh, but point being is we put it to a vote and it wasn't close. So uh, as much as, I, you know, if it were uh, close to a 50-50, I might vote against this, but I feel like I'm pretty much obligated to go with the vote. Outgoing Assemblymember Valerie Nelson didn't feel that same obligation. I'm not obligated to go by the vote because it was an advisory vote, if you remember. Um, I don't like the $8 million asking price. I think we're better with a lease. And Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis said he was glad the advisory vote was decisive, and he was excited for Search to move forward with its plans for the building. I think the sale of this building is going to, it's going to leave a hole in Sitka for many that were born at the hospital, that received services at the building. But it's not going to be the end of the building's story. 
just simply a new chapter in the building with a new owner. The assembly authorized the sale six to one with member Valerie Nelson opposed. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. When the Sitka assembly met on Tuesday, it certified the results from the municipal election on October 5th. Former Fire Chief Dave Miller and incumbent assembly member Kevin Mosier were sworn in. But municipal clerk Sarah Peterson, who oversees Sitka's elections, says she noticed the count was slightly off after they'd tallied the nearly 800 early and absentee votes on Friday afternoon. When we uh, conducted the absentee question count on Friday, October 8th, I expected 795 ballots to be processed at that count. Um, When we concluded just before 3 p.m., I saw that there was only 793 ballots processed. Peterson released the preliminary election results to the public just before 3 p.m. Friday. She says she and her staff then returned to City Hall and reviewed all of the ballot envelopes. Within an hour, they discovered two ballots in the ballot bag that had not been processed. Peterson says mistakes like this are rare, but with early and absentee voting becoming more common, her team needs to be ready for future elections. There's always room for improvement and... um, This was kind of a first for me, so we're just going to put in some extra double checks um, in the future and, and move forward. The two ballots didn't affect the final outcome for any of the races. The ballots closed the gap slightly between Kevin Mosier and the third candidate for the two open seats, Rachel Moreno, who in the updated count only trailed Mosier by nine votes. Fishing fleets often catch more than just the species they target. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, Alaskans who depend on salmon to feed their families are asking federal fisheries managers to clamp down on the bycatch of a primary food source. Fisheries managers allow whitefish trawlers to inadvertently scoop up halibut, crab, and salmon in their nets. The bycatch rate is relatively low, but because the trawlers catch so much of their target species, the unintended harvest adds up. In rural western Alaska, where chum and king salmon runs have been performing poorly, the bycatch is raising alarms. While the bycaught salmon is often donated to food banks, it's of little assurance to those living along the Yukon and Kuskokwim rivers, where subsistence is a way of life. We eat dry fish like people um, from the Midwest eat bread with every meal. Mary Peltola is executive director of the Kuskokwim River Intertribal Fish Commission. She lives in the largely Yupik community of Bethel. Our babies teeth on dry fish. It's the first food most Yupiks eat, and it's something that we crave year-round. Peltola told the North Pacific Fishery Management Council this month that fishing on the Kuskokwim has been severely restricted to protect wild salmon stocks. Meanwhile, trawlers haven't faced any new restrictions on their own as they scoop up lucrative whitefish like pollock, cod, and halibut. She's asked the council to work to put an end to bycatch in the industrial commercial trawl fleet. We're not policy experts. We're not scientists. Uh, We're not career people. This isn't part of our career ladder. We're very desperate to pass on the knowledge that we've received over 12,000 years on how to live in harmony with salmon and utilize salmon as our foundational diet. The At-Sea Processors Association, a large industrial trawl organization, said in an emailed statement that no fishery is without bycatch and that there are always other species in the nets or caught on the line. A moratorium on salmon bycatch in the Bering Sea would mean a total shutdown of the pollock fishery, they argue. North Pacific Fishery Management Council member Andy Mesero says he's heard the call for zero bycatch before. Why not request less bycatch? I can see how 
it would be galling to have no Chinook salmon returning to your river and have thousands of them being caught in the ocean out in front of the river. So I understand your frustration. But what I don't understand is what the strategy of asking for zero bycatch is. Paltola responded that the goal should be zero. There's no reason an in-river salmon fishery should be shut down while the commercial fleet is allowed to continue fishing. There are strong feelings also that even the term bycatch is an affront to foundational principles of not wasting. In 2020, Bering Sea trawlers reported bycatch of tens of thousands of Chinook salmon and hundreds of thousands of chum. That's in spite of this year's abysmal salmon returns to the Kuskokwim, Yanelikli, and Upper Yukon rivers, which have already triggered one of the council's bycatch reduction measures. But even under those rules, the trawl fleet is allowed to catch up to 45,000 kings. And the Bering Sea isn't the only place where bycatch is a problem. In the Gulf of Alaska, some salmon fishermen complain about rules that allow bycatch allocations to be moved around. If Pollock trawlers in one area catch 1,300 fewer king salmon, for example, that 1,300 salmon allowance can be transferred to another fishery. Kodiak-based commercial salmon fisherman Alexis Kwachka is among the dozens who recently called on Governor Mike Dunleavy and the North Pacific Council to tighten the rules. The trawl fleet has done done a mighty job of trying to mitigate their interaction with king salmon, but the bottom line is they still use a bunch of them. And, you know, as these programs have developed, we've allowed for one fishery to roll fish into the next fishery. In other words, this share trading type system for Chinook salmon bycatch. And I think that it's time to revisit that and see if that's really, you know, if we're talking about saving king salmon, then it, the net result should be savings. Kwachka says he believes that weighing commercial interests like the billion-dollar Pollock industry against rural subsistence traditions is a false equivalence. The tax that the state receives is minor compared to the cost that's being incurred by the residents of the state as far as way of life, whether you're talking about halibut or crab. Or salmon. The Alaska Whitefish Trawlers Association, an industry group representing independent catcher vessels in the Gulf of Alaska, says its business model depends on its ability to shift bycatch limits around. If trawling shuts down, then life as I know it is, is, is over. That's Kodiak-based trawler Patty O'Donnell. O'Donnell says the fleet has spent years working to improve technology and methods to reduce salmon bycatch. The trawl sector has gone a long way in, in gear development uh, and what have you over the years to try and uh, uh, decrease the amount of incidental take we have when it comes to salmon. We're, we're continuing to work on that. Bycatch isn't limited to salmon. Crab fishermen are also calling for serious reductions in bycatch of juvenile crab in trawl nets. But that's another debate for another time. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. I'm Aaron Fulton, and this has been Raven News.